The following presentation by Taylor Fragon Capital Management LLC is intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from Taylor Fragon or any other investment professional of your choosing. Please see additional important disclosure at the end of this presentation. A copy of Taylor Fragon's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request or at www.taylorfragon.com. Welcome to the Long Only Podcast, possibly the video version. Jerry, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm all right. I say possibly the video version because we've been wrestling with the video. We have no idea if it's going to work. It's, it is alchemy, basically. What I, <laughs> I'm now kind of, after getting in, getting a little bit involved with uh, YouTube and all this stuff, I don't know whether to think that Alphabet stock is too high or too low <laughs> after all this. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. This, it's, it's funny. The video is easy. It's the sound that's hard. It's getting both to work at the same time. Right. So it's just like having triplets and trying to put all of them to sleep at the same time. Thankfully, I haven't had that experience. But no, I, I haven't either. So even you haven't. Even I have not had that experience. <laughs> so we've we've given uh, we put so much time and effort into this that uh, we haven't even really talked about our subject matter. But I've got one. What? But I wanted to say first, as a as a detour, I want you know we like to talk about what's going on in our lives, right? I mean, to a degree. Sometimes. To a degree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, I just had a thought this week. So we've got the only real election going on this year, at least in Arizona, are the, like, the school bond type things, the really yeah. boring local stuff. Right. Wow, know, they, boring it is. Well, it's, they, it's boring, yeah, they, but it's important. The boring blocking and tackling of how they ruin your kids. Right. And spend too much money. And I got on... But this is my own mistake. I got on the mo- possibly the most annoying social media platform in the world, which is next door. I don't know. Oh, right, right, right. That's like where neighbors rattle on each other and stuff. Yeah, it's it's basically the kind of platform where it's the kind of people who refer to their dogs as fur babies. That's the kind of people <laughs> who are on next door. And there was something about some guy dared question the bond election, and from s- some sort of school referendum that apparently isn't going to cost us any money for Scottsdale, but it's still going to, of course it, it's, it's going to cost you money. <laughs> it, yeah, the, the question it always is, does. Yeah, the, it's not, you know, that's beside the point. It's whether it costs me money is half of the equation. The other half is, am I giving my enemy dry powder to ruin kids? That's really what it comes down to. You know, even if the money doesn't come from me or the tax holders, the point is, do I trust people who I don't agree with, with $50 million? The answer is no. So even if the money's not coming from me, why do I want to give it to them? But they, they play the, you know, let's think about the future and think about the children card and things like that. And I've determined that when it comes to these issues like education, the, let me see if I can put this the right way. This, these education bills relate to love of children and love of the future the same way that in the same way that it would make sense to call yourself an animal lover because you like the Arby's roast beef sandwich. (laughs) Because, because you like something that may or may not have come from a cow. It makes you an animal lover. 
I think that's an apt analogy. I, I twisted uh, around in my mind for at least uh, seven, only eight minutes. you could come up with that, Doug, so. which is which is why we love you. All right. Okay, so we'll get to the meat and potatoes. Of what we're going to talk about today? I've got an idea. I what? really do. All right. So my right. I, and with the idea, hopefully we don't spend too much time in this episode in case we find out that I, I messed up something on the audio and got but. But this is an, an angle of a common topic that we've talked about a lot. And, but I've got a new angle on it. I was thinking about active versus passive trading. And we're technically trading? At, well, active versus passive management. Okay. okay. Active, this idea of active versus passive. Okay. Now, we are, try this on for size. We are active management, right? We are, be, we are attempting to beat the market. Right. Okay. ETFs, all those things. Uh, many of these. Well, some ETFs are, are active. Yes, that's true. But ETFs made their hay on being a passive investor. Correct. You know? And so the irony is we don't do a ton of activity in our active management. I mean, we, we, we're not just buy and hold. We do active. We, we do do a bunch of activity in terms of managing our a fair amount of activity, managing the research, making sure it's a company that we still like that we, that we believe in continuing to assess our investment in them. But it's not like there's a lot of buying in and buying out. It's, but I don't think that's active. Active is implying that you're not just trying to mimic the market. Well, I, I don't think it has to be a function of how much trading you're doing. Well, I agree, but I do think there is irony in that there is a, there is a, in our active management, in some ways of looking at it, there isn't a ton of activity. Um, and then, whereas with these passive investments, these ETFs, how much activity is going on behind the scenes to keep them afloat? I mean, you're always railing about the the providing liquidity where liquidity isn't really needed. But, but I think they, that applies more to the active ETFs than it does the passive ETFs. Don't you think that the, these passive ETFs and some of this? I'm getting a lot of my information from you. So, but wouldn't you say that the passive ETFs are still generating a lot of trading activity to keep the to, to keep them afloat? I, I mean, it depends on how much, what kind of inflows and outflows of monies are going in and out of those the ETFs. I mean, yes, to the extent that there's you know money flows happening, then yes, there's activity. But that happens in an, what we would call an active strategy as well if if they're getting new money in or seeing money outflow that's creating a level of activity but i think i would separate out what active means with respect to notwithstanding money flows in and out just investment decisions mm -hmm. what's driving the investment decision and is it as i said is it trying to mimic the market by way of i'm going to you know I, i'm calling myself an index fund an s&p 500 index fund and i'm putting a portfolio together that as closely mimics the S&P 500 as I can. Yep. You can, you can do that exactly, um, which is harder because you have more you know, 500 companies more, more often it's the targeted type of thing, I think. Um, but separate that aside at whatever the mechanics are of an index fund is your, is not really what I'm trying to get at. What I'm trying to get at is their, their goal is to be passive in that they're just following whatever, it's a little bit of a misnomer from the standpoint of you're outsourcing your investment management systems to the S&P 500 based on what they, their criteria says should be a, an S&P 500 um, constituent. So, I mean, whereas, in that sense, it's a very large mutual fund. It's a very large mutual fund. Yes. Um, 
large cap, whatever. And it's and the and just market capitalization weighted. So actually, what it ends up being with respect to S and P five hundred, and I think most index funds, because most indices are market cap weighted. So your biggest exposure is in the biggest of the companies that are members of the index. But not getting into the weeds on indexes and index funds, um, just the question of active versus passive is one which is I'm trying to beat that particular market index by way of making decisions that are not mimicking that index, but in fact, quite the contrary, doing something very different from what the index is. I I guess that's the best way I can explain what is active versus passive. But do you, do you not think then that the, these quote unquote passive ETFs are generating a lot of trading activity in and of themselves just to keep them afloat. Or do you think that's just all in fairness to them? That's all just based on inflows and outflows. I think it's inflows and outflows. It's the active ETFs that are, um, I think creating more, I'm not, not to suggest that there's not distortions that are being created by pure index funds. But I, 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 when I talk about trying to create liquidity where liquidity doesn't exist, that, I'm not applying that to the, the run-of-the-mill S&P 500 index fund. I'm applying that to the, the ETFs that are out there. I, I would say index, there are certain indices that are very specific. You know, um, you know the like, Russell like 2000 index is more specific uh, than is an S&P 500 index. A, there's ETFs devoted to the economy of like Italy, things like that. Or, or like that. To, to specific sectors. Yes. And so that's getting, now you're getting much more like what really is kind of active. You know, I guess, you know, because there's indices out there that are, you know, like the, there's, a, there's an S&P 500, you know, consumer state, consumer discretionary index or something. Yeah, you know, I mean, now you're getting much, you're getting more targeted. And I guess you could, you could question whether or not there's, that's, that's another form of active management. In fact, I did. With respect to the way a lot of people's funds are managed using these index ETFs, it actually does become another form of active management because a lot of it is, is how much do you allocate to the S&P 500 technology index and how much do you, you know, so there's, you got a portfolio of indices and who are you going to overweight and who are you going to underweight? It becomes an active strategy. But now there's, there's all these layers of, um, I mean, when, when you get to that point, it's almost like, well, why don't you just try and figure out what are good companies to own <laughs> instead of trying dicing and slicing different sectors and industries and what have you. We I mean, there's to- thousands and thousands of indices out there and, and it's proliferated uh, largely because of this desire to have a slice of every, every, they want it to be able to divide the market up into so many slices that they have a slice for everything. And then it gets ridiculous. It's, it's like, what, like I said, why don't you just buy? Why don't you just look to buy some really good companies and call it a day? Because you're back to active management in that that circumstance, anyway. Yep, you can have a an an ETF that's let's say semiconductor companies based in South America or something. I don't I mean, even know if that's a thing. I don't, and, think, that, I don't think that's a probably thing, isn't a thing. I get but, what you're saying. But if they if you do that, okay, that ETF is going to probably if it's like most ETFs, theoretically, evenly whether by market what market cap or some other mechanism, but sort of uh, naively, evenly 
divide up its interest among the, the companies that are in that that are in that industry. But as you're getting the point you're getting to is that the decision to invest in an ETF that is devoted to semiconductor companies in South America is a very specific investment decision right. that is akin to active management. Yes. So so these these ETFs, the, the fact that so many specialized ETFs, the the in, the items in those may be passively managed, but but those the, the use of those ETFs in and of themselves is a sign of active management and trying to beat the market. You're trying well, to make it on a se- sector. Uh, yes, I, I think absolutely. It's, what I'm trying to get at is that, and where I talk about trying to create liquidity where liquidity doesn't exist, is the more specific you get in these slices and dices of the market via your South American semiconductor index. It's um, the next wave. That's the new thing, the yep. new big thing coming. Um, it's almost by definition, it's causing the problems that I'm talking about as far as, and, and that's kind of what this stuff does is it's, it, it, if you take where, where I think it's most important is in small and mid-sized companies, which, which already have liquidity issues in the market at any given time. They're not super easy to buy and sell. And so sometimes, a lot of times, more often than not now. Um, but this just exacerbates the, that and exacerbates the volatility in these companies because you've got, uh, think of it like this. Say you have a uh, $500 million market capitalization company and you have an index that is, a, let's say, a small cap index of some kind. And that company is a member of that index. And you have this kind of activity that we're talking about, which is what I'd, I'd call like actively managing passive indices. Okay. That's fair. And there's lots of money pouring into this strategy more so than normally would be able to invest in a $500 million market cap company without driving considerable price movement. And in effect, it's happening anyway, because there's more money playing in that index and in, in other indices around it than is able to really be adequately invested in that company. I mean, when we're going to buy a company Think of it like this. It's like, why do so many of the largest of large money managers become like, you know, become what they call closet index funds because they have so much money. If they've got hundreds of billions in like BlackRock, $10 trillion under management. Now, granted, they have tons and tons of funds, but just, just let's just say hundreds of billions of dollars in, 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 to invest in it and they're doing one fund. Well, it's really important virtually impossible to buy a $500 million market capitalization company without buying the whole thing and in order to have any kind of impact on your portfolio. So what, what I, what I sense is, and what I think has happened is in the interest of trying to give exposure, you hear that all the time, exposure to the small cap or exposure, exposure to mid cap or exposure to South American semiconductor companies. It's, it's given this facade of liquidity that really doesn't exist and is created and it's exacerbated moves in these companies' portfolios or in these companies' stock prices, both directions. Right. And so I think that's, that's a level of um, distortion, uh, distortion that, that goes on. Distortion and creates you know, false, sick, false pricing. I think I think it's a mispricing that often ends up happening. Right. So I mean, this is a big topic, and 
we were, we were wanting to do something that was short, a short yep. call. And I'm, I'm going to uh, call it there because my uh, computer is running low on power. And also I need to, I, we're still figuring out the video thing. So hopefully it's our hopefully first video, it video episode. We'll see. It's as, we'll as see. usual. We say that a lot these days. What podcast <laughs> number is this? Uh, 75. 75, but it's one on video. So yeah, if, if we can get it to audio, it'll, it'll be 75. So in the meantime, check us out on iTunes, the Long Only Podcast, of course, our website, tailorforgone.com, and email us at longonly at tailorforgone.com. Like us on Instagram, tailorforgone.invest. In the meantime, I'm Doug. I'm Jerry. And we will see you next week on the Long Only Podcast. <laughs>